Hello, hello. Welcome to Conversations with a Wounded Healer. I'm Sarah Bueno, your host. How are you? I'll wait for your answer. Oh, good. You're good. For those of you who said you're doing well and for those of you who are not, I hope this conversation brightens your day. Today, I am speaking with Janet Boyer, and I think I tell you in the episode why I reached out to her, so I'm not going to tell you that right now, but I'll read you her bio. How about that? So Janet Boyer is the author of Back in Time Tarot, Tarot in Reverse, and Naked Tarot, Sassy Stripped Down Advice, as well as the co-creator of the Snowland Deck and Coffee Tarot. A former radio host, she's been a guest on Coast to Coast AM with George Norrie, Jim Harold's Paranormal Podcast, and other metaphysical shows, as well as this one now. She invites you to visit her online at JanetBoyer.com, as well as the Shea Boyer Etsy shop, where she, her husband, and their son offer original art, inspired jewelry, hand-sewn tarot bags, and more. So I wanted to start this episode by reading a little bit from uh, Naked Tarot. So those of you who've been listening for a while know that I'm a big fan of tarot and I pull a card every day. And today I just asked the general, you know, what do I need to know about my life today? And I pulled the two of coins or pentacles. They can be called either. And I'm going to read you the opening of what it says for the two of coins in Janet's book here, because it's very indicative of why I wanted to have a conversation with her. So the stripped down overview of the two of coins. Have you ever bent over backwards for someone only to get it up the ass with no lubricant? Juggling day-to-day activities, you try to please everyone, but it just ain't happening. Robbing Peter to pay Paul, allocating a lump of money for rent while cobwebs form in your pantry, enduring a busted head gasket while carpooling, it's enough to make a grown woman cry. But what choice do you have? Either you pick up the pieces of broken dishes, vacuum the cat litter that whiskers kicked three feet from the box, run lunch money to little Lucinda, or lay down and give up. You've come too far for that, though, right? Simplify if you can, delegate if you must, but create a pocket of downtime in your overbooked schedule to catch your breath because the neighbor kid is about to throw a baseball through your already cracked window. (laughs) I love that example. And this book is full of just really great ideas about what the different tarot cards mean. And she is a wealth of information, you know, in our interview, I really could have like kept listening. And, And we actually spoke for quite a long time after I stopped the recordings. She reminds me of my therapist in all of the information that's just housed in her head, and it's just so incredible. So I truly hope that you enjoy this interview with Janet Boyer. Hi, Janet. Welcome to Conversations with a Wounded Healer. Hi, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for accepting my invitation. I'm always like nervous to send to people like if I've read their books. There's just something like... You're a super famous person just because you have a book out and there's always this fear of like, why would anyone want to talk to me? So I really, I appreciate when people accept. Oh, no, 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 not at all. I'm just a normal person who <laughs> wrote books and it's not, you know, I was just telling them, a high school friend the other day, I saw him at a subway, my family and I, and we were playing catch up. We went to high school together and he mm. goes, yeah, I see you have another book out. And I'm like, yeah. I said, almost killed me. And I said, you know, people think being a writer is so glamorous. And I said, oh, on so many levels, it just sucks. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's great, but oh, it's just, especially when you write for niche, you know, like, you know, I write tarot books, which is very niche because you got 
nonfiction, mind, body, spirit, and then you get divination tarot. So you're like niche, 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 and none of us are getting rich off of it, or most of us, you right. know, are of that kind of thing. And so it's almost like a calling to write that kind of book, especially like a nonfiction that you write specifically because you want to help heal people or right. encourage them or get, get them to raise their consciousness. And so I was actually intimidated when I saw your credentials, and I'm like, what? why would you want to speak with me? <laughs> I know, isn't that hilarious? Because I have so much respect for social workers and counselors and things like that. Because when I was in college, I was diagnosed with major depression Mm -hmm. and went through therapy and I minored in psychology. So Mm -hmm. when I saw your credit, I'm thinking, why in the world would you want to talk with me? Oh, my gosh. Must be like mutual admiration society at a distance. (laughs) Oh, wow. And it's so funny that the podcast ends up being that every time my editor makes fun of me because. Usually we have good conversations and then at the end we're like, oh my God, I love you. I love you too. Oh my God, I love you. And she's like, I'm going to just make a fucking compilation of the love fests that happen on your show. I'm like, please. (laughs) We're already at it and we haven't even started. I know. I know. So, okay. Okay. Let's rewind because I do want to talk about Naked Tara. I want to talk about all the things, but would you first tell people who you are and what you do in a a nutshell? In a nutshell. Okay. My gosh. Deer in headlights. No, my name is right. Janet Boyer, and I am from southwestern Pennsylvania. I've been married for, it'll be 22 years this year. We have an almost 21-year-old son. My first book came out in 2008, Back in Time Tarot. 2012 was Tarot in Reverse, a book dedicated to reversals. Mm. And then last fall, Naked Tarot come out, which is Sassy Stripped Down Advice, and it's my largest, most in-depth, intense book ever. Mm-hmm. And I'm also the co-creator of the Snowland deck and the coffee tarot. My husband did the art for it. Mm. He did the art apart from his full-time job. And so before that, I majored in pastoral ministry and theology at college. And I was actually, I used to be a Pentecostal pastor with my first husband. I majored in theology and then had a double minor in English and psychology. And we pastored for a while. And then he started feeling weird and things and we thought it was the flu. Here he ended up having leukemia, and within a year he was dead. Mm-hmm. And then for a year I was a widow, then I met my present husband. He was one of my students, <laughs> mm-hmm. actually, at church in young adult class. And we just knew within like a week of meeting one another, so we became fast friends, bonded over his art, and we were married within six weeks. And so here wow. we are celebrating. will be our 22nd anniversary. So that's kind of, I mean, in a nutshell, I was called to tarot. I, I had a prophetic inkling and that gift, as they called it in the Pentecostal circles, yeah. but I ended up leaving traditional Christianity, first of all, because I realized that despite the assemblies of God saying they ordained and welcomed women, once my mm-hmm. husband died, I realized I was only getting appointments because I was married to a minister. Wow. I thought I was getting assignments based on my credentials and my mm-hmm. own abilities and gifts, and so it was just battering my head against the wall trying to be a female minister. and. And then at the same time, I discovered some writings. I started doing research, and then I realized that the early church didn't teach a literal hell. <laughs> and so that, you know, totally, you know, would have made me a heretic. And so there was tons of life changes. But I still think about and apply some of the principles of mystical Christianity mm-hmm. and the things that are perennial wisdom. But I totally left the church, and I just felt a call to tarot one day. My mm-hmm. husband and I still remember we were at the table just having coffee, and I just said, I feel to learn tarot. And he's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, whatever. And he's really yeah. supportive. Yeah. And so I found that even though I tried to learn it from books, I was just so bored. I mean, I had over 100 books, and they weren't relatable, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And then I felt to start learning the cards backwards. 
And that's what my Back in Time tarot mm. book oh, was about, was teaching myself tarot by my own memories, things that are happening in the news, fairy tales, books, songs, whatever, right. and then pairing tarot cards and coming up with my own meanings. And so all those books and stuff I never read and what have you. And so I just kind of went by intuition and I amalgamated the theology I knew and pop culture and psychology and mythology and what have you. And so here I am, you know, I'm kind of taking a breather because this is the first time I haven't been under contract for a book for years. Oh, and wow. so I'm just like, yeah, but I got an inkling to start a new one. So I'm starting to outline. So we'll see. Oh, we'll my see. Gosh. So, and yeah. I'm entering menopause, you know, talk about too much information. So, you know, I'm getting more pimples now than I ever got as a teenager. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, and my, and my moods are all over the place. So I'm like, oh, come on. Cut me a break. You know, I just get done writing the biggest book of my life. Can I just have right. a break? Let me rest. Yeah, the universe yes. doesn't. For those of us yeah, who have yeah. that calling, like, yeah, we don't really get to rest, do we? <laughs> I don't think so. I swear, I got in line, you know, before I incarnated and said, you know what, just go ahead and put three lives worth of stuff and I yeah. can handle it. Right. And they're like, are you sure? I'm like, okay, well, we'll make sure that you're born a Scorpio with a Aries ascendant to get the motor running. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm an Aries rising, too. Are you really? Yeah. What's your sun sign? Aquarius. That's my moon. OMG. OMG. <laughs> so you're an Aquarius What's your moon I can't remember. I can't remember. Oh. Right now, I'm in this phase of my life where I'm looking for all the healing in all the places, and I'm so overwhelmed by all of the different modalities that I can't yeah. see straight. Have you been through that? Yes, absolutely, because I started out, even before Tarot, as a New Age editor at the second largest women's site online, BellaOnline.com. And I'm also an Amazon.com Hall of Fame reviewer. Oh, wow. Yeah, with over 2,000 reviews to my name. But the reason I started that is because that was back in 2000. I live in such a rural area that I was getting irritated that at the time the only tarot site online was just trumpeting how wonderful the tarot decks were that they were reviewing or books. And then I'd get them in the mail mm. and they would be nothing like what they say. And I'm like, oh, oh my God, I'm going to start reviewing because this is ridiculous. Because wow. <laughs> yeah. I live in such a rural area. I didn't even have a good bookstore, let alone a new age one. So wow. then I just started getting on a roll. And in that process of healing and going from a traditional Christian background to more mystical and new age, I too, you know, was just sucking up everything and I was reading and reviewing stuff. So, you know, it was numerology, astrology, mm-hmm. that's with personality too. So I studied the Enneagram and yes. all the I'm obsessed with the Enneagram right now. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, don't tell me you're a seven. No, but that's everyone's first guess. Yeah. Okay. Well, don't tell me. Oh my gosh, you're bubbling. So I'm thinking positive. You're part of the positive triad, but so are you sure you're not a seven? So I've taken it twice and neither one came up a seven. The second time it came up that seven was my secondary. Well, you know, you can't go by online tests. Mm-hmm. The Enneagram is one of those things where you have to really research it. Mm-hmm. And the Riso Hudson books are very good. Mm-hmm. And understanding the wings and stress points and right. reaction points. Because if you're a healthy type of whatever your type is, you could very well type something else. Or if right. a person is unhealthy... They might mm-hmm. be actually testing as a reactionary point. Like I tested when I first started as a five. Mm-hmm. That was my highest. And I think my second highest was an eight. But actually, I am a seven with a very strong eight wing. Some people think mm-hmm. I might be an eight with seven. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So what do you test at? Two? Three wing two. Ah, okay. I was going to say, well, the bubbly aspect would be in the feeling. I was like, you've got to have a filler in there and that would mm-hmm. be your two wing. So yeah, you could be. I mean, it gets pretty deep when mm-hmm. you start. Then you find out there's more than nine types. <laughs> then you have the wings, the stress points, security points. Then they have the subtypes. 
whether you're self-preservational, sexual, or social. And then right. the, the only yes. one I've heard about a counter was the sixes. I mean, I don't know of any other oh, types being counters. I, okay. I know the sixes are the loyalists, and it's what most people are. It's kind of like mm-hmm. God-fearing, you know, country and all that stuff. Right. And also the paranoia and suspicion and us versus them. But they're also the sentinel types that want to guard freedoms and, and fight injustice. Okay, that's a six, but a counterphobic six, it's a fear type. So the right. counterphobic six would actually be more reactionary and aggressive mm. and sometimes mimic an eight, an aggressive eight. Oh. But an eight center is anger, but a six center is fear. And so right. the counterphobic six is reacting to right. that fear of imbalance or being dominated or what have you. So I've never heard of a counter type three, so I'll have to look into that because yeah. <laughs> it's so fascinating. It's like it's such a rabbit hole. So yes, to answer your question in a very long-winded way. No, I love it. I went down different modalities and different roads and everything. And so, yeah, mm-hmm. I totally understand. And then you get overwhelmed and you're like, okay, wait a minute. I have right. to focus just on one thing at a time right now. Right. Seriously, the reason that I wanted to have you on the show, I heard you on, I cannot remember, I think it's the Paranormal Podcast. Is that the name of it? Oh, okay. You know, I was going to ask you, how did you even hear of me? And I never had a chance. Yeah. Yes, podcast with Jim Harold. He, he's yes. a really nice guy. Yes. I'm like super into ghosts right now too. So like I was listening to that. I heard you speak and then I think you told a little bit of your story on that or maybe I just looked you up and I was like, oh my God. So you've got like the psychology background, the religious background, (laughs) and then moving into spirituality. And I feel like that's kind of the intersection of what often we talk about on the show is often the people on the show are coming from a really conservative upbringing somehow. And then there's this awakening that leads to like, I'm seeing like this explosion of like fairy dust and stuff. (laughs) That leads us to our more, I guess, authentic spirituality. Absolutely. It's scarier because a lot of us are forging our own way. Mm-hmm. And I think that's this book that I, I feel called to write right now is kind of scary for me mm. because it's going to be basically about <laughs> Christian paganism. <laughs> so I'm going to well, get hate from both sides. Yeah. I'm gonna be <laughs> yeah. I was actually thinking about writing under a pen name because I've been accused of actually being, quote, too Christian. There's a three-star review on Amazon of my Naked Terror saying, and, and the title is This Ain't the Bible. And there's only a little bit of Christian stuff in there, but it's all in mystical context mm-hmm. of how it applies. And there's so many F-bombs. In right, I know. I know, in racy language. And But you know what? Even my first book, Back in Time Tarot, people say, oh, she's too Christian. And I'm like, wait a minute. I know that has informed my path, mm-hmm. and I do incorporate it just like I incorporate other religions and gods and goddesses and right, mythologies. And I'm right. thinking what it is I'm finding and why I think I really need to write this book is so many people have been hurt by Christianity. Yes. And they went to paganism, and then they yeah. threw the baby out with the bathwater, yes, yes. and, and they've become, and they're very wounded, and yes. they're so reactionary to mm-hmm. anything that even smacks of Christianity that they get triggered. Right. You even quote one scripture, and it doesn't matter that you're taking the mystical aspect and you have a non-dogmatic, mm-hmm. non-legalistic mm-hmm. approach. It still triggers them. And I'm thinking, Naked Tarot is over 110,000 words. And I couldn't mm-hmm. believe this person focused on a couple of the references that were probably in the spiritual section of the chapter, because right. I pack a lot in every chapter, but in terms of the interpretation, I do a work section, a romance section, a parenting section, mm-hmm. the first tarot book that ever addresses parenting. Right. And then I did a spirituality section. And so it's probably was, because I'm sitting there flipping through and I'm like trying to look for my own <laughs> Christian right. references. And I'm thinking, wait, am I blind to this? I'm like, no. And so I really feel called to this because there, so many of us have had to forge our own path. 
we feel called to incorporate other spiritual traditions. We feel drawn to other gods and goddesses. We are deeply mm-hmm. concerned about nature, love animals, believe in universal brotherhood, and yet we still love Jesus and think he's the bomb, and he mm. was the ultimate countercultural revolutionary, mm. and that his disciples and his eventual followers, and of course Catholic Church, totally co-opted what he did mm-hmm. and made it a religion when he never intended to make a religion. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, there's so much wisdom in the New Testament that people would not even be able to see because, as it says in the New Testament, there I go bringing it up, straining gnats and swallowing camels. And people are choking on the fact that it says Christian or that it's a Bible verse, not allowing the mystical truth to come out and for them to contemplate it. So I think that's what I'm called to do next, and I think it's going to be... A little bit difficult and personal, but, you know, it's yeah. just one whose time has come. I mean, I was mm-hmm. talking to a friend on Facebook chatting about it, and I'm like, oh, what do you think about this title? Because I haven't told anybody about it yet. And she says, you're not going to believe this. I was just watching a YouTube video about a person saying, you know, for her spiritual well-being, she thinks she's going to unplug from social media and things like that. Mm-hmm. But she did a little highlight and shared a picture of the clip of the comment section where someone said, you know, I thought I was a full-blown pagan. But when I seen some of the cattiness and cruelty and shame going on in some of those groups, then I started to think, well, maybe I'm a lot more Christian than I realize. Mm-hmm. Because those who were drawn to Christianity and have not forsaken some of the core truths embrace humility, treating others as you want to be treated, the kindness mm-hmm. and things like that. And so when they see some of those cutthroat, they get disappointed. Then they're like, well, wait a minute, maybe I'm not a pagan. And so I'm writing this book to show that, yes, you can be both and how it can be done. Right. And so we'll see. I haven't seen a book like it. Yeah. You know, I have that pioneer archetype, so we'll, right. see, we'll see what happens. But it feels comfortable to me because I feel like I need to revisit some of these mm. truths myself as mm-hmm. I finish, you know, the book and finishing up some healing myself. Uranus is leaving Aries and mm-hmm. Chiron's there, which is wounded healer. Yep. So, you know, yep. a lot of us are wrapping up doing our healing now before it enters Taurus, which is kind of like a practical application then of what we went through when Uranus was in Aries. So, you know, I'm actually been contemplating Chiron, the wounded healer a lot. And and here I am. How funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the manifestations of Chiron, how it goes from the wounded healer to the shaman to the alchemist. Right now I'm kind of at the shamanistic stage, leaving that to the alchemist because I've already mm-hmm. identified my wounds. And a lot of them has been healed, but I'm still doing the shamanistic, you know, just tying up those loose ends, making peace with different things that have happened. And then I think that this book may be a part of the alchemist part of Chiron, where I take the hurts, the wounds, the feelings of rejection and shame and just feeling like you don't belong at any place in the world. Nobody mm-hmm. wants you because <laughs> mm-hmm. you're too much of that or you're too yeah. less of this. Right. And to hopefully turn that into the base metals into gold and maybe turn some of that hurt into useful information that helps other people in a similar path. Yeah. Oh, my God. You just said so much that I want to respond to. I want to go back to the piece about, you know, the wounds of Christianity, because I think you're dead on with that. And everything you were saying, I was just hearing when anyone is like lashing out against something that they don't understand, it's just all about fear, right? And I feel like you can probably explain it better than me. But, you know, in consciousness, we're kind of at this, I think, tipping point right now where things are bifurcated even more because we're about to kind of shift to another level. And the fear is just so intense, and I, like, cannot tolerate it right now. Yeah, it does seem like things are at a tipping point. I mean, I get fascinated by some of the stuff I see on Gaia TV. Do you happen to stream Gaia? 
I started a subscription after Jim's podcast, and then I found some of the things were so dumb. I was like, I, how do I find the good stuff? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's true. You do have to sort. Yeah. But like Regina Meredith is really down to earth, and she has some okay. really good, old, deep stuff. There's a lot of good stuff on there. The bad thing about Gaia, I feel, is like when you first sign up, they ask you initially what your interests are so that mm-hmm. they can kind of guide you. It doesn't lock you in totally, but then they start recommending a bunch of stuff that's mm. in a certain area and other things get pushed to the way. So the best thing to do is to go to the interface where you browse according to category. And then that way you could say, okay, there's yoga, there's alternative healing, mm-hmm. there's conspiracy if you're into that, but there's also the paranormal into healing and, and things. And then you can find some of the good stuff. I tend to like a lot of the UFO stuff. Yeah. But some of that is totally out there. Yeah. But some of the people are talking about, and I don't know if it's true or not, but whether it is true or not, there is a a metaphorical, I feel, application where they talk about they feel like there is an ascension going on Mm -hmm. and could have something to do with the sun sending Mm. out one of its mass coronal ejections. Mm. And when that happens, people will either (laughs) fry, so to speak, or they'll evolve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Yes. And um, I, I can't help but wonder if there's truth in that because there's a scripture in the New Testament where it says everything that can be shaken will be shaken from within. And it really parallels the tower card yeah. where when things get shaken and the, you know, the roof gets blown off, if you don't have a strong foundation, meaning what your values and your authenticity, your true beliefs are, mm-hmm, things can get mm-hmm. leveled and you feel devastated yeah. because you don't really have your North Star. You, know, you don't really yep. have your compass yep. intact. And so it does make me wonder if this escalation of fear and violence and hatred and paranoia is basically the rumblings of new consciousness. And it's going to be that if people are clinging to their fear and their old beliefs that are not working for them anymore, and their hatred and whatever, they're just going to get worse into that. Whereas the people who are open to being stripped down and having the, quote, refiner's fire come and burn the wood mm-hmm. hay stubble, so to speak, to reveal the gold, silver, precious stones, and then the New Testament says, then they're the ones that are going to be, not that they're better than, it's just they're welcoming the change and saying, you know what, I'm wanting to be free no matter what. Yeah. Burn these chains off me, I'm ready to go, no matter how painful it is. Mm-hmm. And so it makes me really wonder if, you know, it just seems like there's big crap happening. And Oh, you can say shit, don't worry. Oh, okay, thanks. Yes, thanks. Awesome. <laughs> Please say thinking, shit. Oh, my my listeners well, are like, my why are there Excellent. no F-bombs right now? <laughs> yes, I, and it, well, I'm trying to be polite. I wasn't sure. <laughs> yeah, there is big shit happening. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. And I think that's what we're saying. It's basically evolve yeah. or die. Not necessarily literally, but... Right, but... Okay, this is probably a little out there for some people who are listening, but I feel like, so I just turned 40. My parents both died five years ago, and I have so many friends whose parents have died. And at my age, that's not normal, right? Like, that should be for someone at least 10, 15 years older than me that that's happening. Yeah, usually. And all of the celebrity deaths that are happening, and suicide rates are up. So I I do think that there is literally an evolve or die, or... I don't want to say that everyone who's dying is not evolved, but your work is done and this plane, whatever. No, I totally agree. Two days ago, I volunteered for a local animal shelter corporation, a rescue. And her brother, who is a year younger than me, 47, was just killed in a car accident. Mm. I mean, I just found out about it. Or was it yesterday? I mean, she was just talking about him with me the night before when we were talking about 
securing a grant for funding for the spay new clinic, whatever. Mm. And then the next day, he's dead. Jeez. And I know people die all the time, but it's just really, really weird. And when yeah. I was looking for his obituary, I was commenting to my husband, look at all these young people just in this yeah. local funeral home who were young and died. And it had unusual phrasing like, died of natural causes. They looked all healthy and they were 32 or whatever, 35. Jeez. Or it'll say, died in the emergency room. It just seemed weird to me. Mm-hmm. And like you said, the celebrity deaths and suicides, you know, and it's like, mm-hmm. wow. And I think some people, too, though, are just finding the world's too much for them. Yes. And it's like, I cannot blame them. Honestly, I know this sounds terrible, but I used to think, well, suicides, you know, they're cowards. They're taking the easy way out. But gosh, <laughs> life is hard. And I cannot blame someone to want the pain to stop, right. especially if, right. if they cannot seem to find relief. Right. If they're surrounded by negative people who don't have their best interests in heart, right. it can be hard to claw your way out. It really can. Right. And so it's, it's heartbreaking, especially when you're hearing these young people, yes. 12, 9, 8, getting bullied, and they, you know, mm-hmm. they're hanging themselves in a closet. And I'm like, oh, those poor things. I just want to say right now to people listening, one of my biggest passions is making sure that people get connected to a good therapist. So if you're listening to this and you're struggling with suicidal thoughts, please reach out to me. I can't be your therapist most likely, but I can find somebody who can because there is good help out there and it's hard to find. But I am very, very passionate about helping people make that connection. That's wonderful. We need people like you. Yeah. I just, I remember being that person, you know, being overwhelmed by all the therapists. And before I was a therapist, I didn't know how to look. And I was so exhausted from depression. You just, you don't know. Right. You could barely get out of bed, let alone figure out where the heck to look to get a a good therapist. Who's a good therapist? Exactly. You know, some people are in this crisis going to a, I'm sorry, a Freudian is just not going to help. You know, right. whether they sit there and they'll analyze you for 10 years, you don't need that. Right. You know, right. and if they look in the phone book and it's like, shit, you don't need to be talking about your dreams. You know, you need, right. you know, yeah. you need something to help you now, some cognitive behavioral therapy or, or even medication or something that helps you right now to yeah. get over the hump until we can get to the real hard work of unraveling what the root cause is. And, right, um, right. God bless you. Yeah, but that, that's exactly what I tell my clients. I have a client who just asked me, oh, can we go every other week now? And I'm like, no, friend, this is when the work starts. We just got you out of crisis. Now we get to dig in and figure out what got you into crisis in the first place. Absolutely. People think mm-hmm. as soon as they get out of crisis, I don't need therapy right, right. anymore. Really, they think, oh, okay, temporary respite. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And I've told people this. I'm like, if you don't address the root, mm-hmm. it's going to come back up again. And lo and behold, it does. But, you know, people are stubborn and they get that temporary mm-hmm. relief and they think it's okay. But no, it's basically like cutting a dandelion at ground level. Right. If you do not take care of the root, it mm-hmm. is going to pop back up again. Yeah, the weed's not there. Yeah, you can't see it, and yet it seems like it's okay. But lo and behold, when life crunches you again, and it will, that's what's going to pop up. All the issues, all the wounds, all the hurts, all the fears, it'll come back up. I really try to, because my personal need for healing in this lifetime is so voracious. Like, I can't heal quickly enough. Like, I'm so impatient with it. And so sometimes I project that onto the people who come to see me, and that's not everybody's goal, even though, you know, I want that Uh, to be their goal. And so I actually understand that. Yeah, I try to ride this fine line of like invitation for people to want that, but then also like letting them take it in their own time. Oh my gosh, I am so similar except for feeling called to provoke people out of Mm -hmm. their stupor. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I have like a trickster archetype. I have like a cold water in the face type of archetype. (laughs) 
<laughs> really, it's true. And I piss people off, and sometimes I do it on purpose. You know, yeah. Scorpio with how many planets in the eighth house, I, know, I totally know what buttons to push. And I do it on purpose, yeah. but it's almost like the Jurgeff school, you know, the fourth way, controversial teacher method where mm-hmm. you make somebody uncomfortable. Sometimes it's with like a crude joke or dropping an F-bomb or yeah. being funny, but sometimes it's just a harsh truth. And then what I feel that I do then is I crack open the ego enough yes. where I can slip in some truth. Well, silly me, I thought, being Scorpio that I am, I thought everyone wanted to be stripped down and totally... <laughs> You know, flagellated and, and, you know, totally skinned alive so that they can be healed and authentic with all the crap scraped away. And so I realized that now, and this is part of my wound and healing, to realize how many people I may have marginalized or wounded indirectly by going a little too far Mm. or didn't have the compassion combined with it. Mm -hmm. And so I think that naked tarot is kind of my melding of that, where Mm -hmm. it's the shock and awe, but also the compassion, encouraging people to hang in there and don't give up and giving them actual tools and actionable steps to get woke if that's what they want. But yeah, and I got the rude awakening to realize just even everybody in the new age movement or mind, body, spirit is not really interested in awakening, even if that's what they say. Exactly. Um, oh, denial. Because if you're easily offended, you're not in it for the long haul. <laughs> That's all there mm-hmm. is to it. You know, if you're going to get pissy at a little casual remark on Facebook, you ain't in it for awakening. <laughs> well, and that goes back to the ego, right? Because, yeah, you know, if the ego right. can't tolerate being shown a mirror, then, yeah, it's going to be hard to evolve. Oh, yeah. And then the projection starts and the mm-hmm. demonization and the witch hunts and you know it can actually escalate when it gets in mob mentality and people start plumbing in the lower chakras of self-preservation us versus them tribalism and they question their own self-esteem their own worth and then they have their own shame issues and then boom they just see the mirror and then they turn around and they're punching the mirror thinking it's the other person when it's really their own issues being triggered and instead of just taking it trying to distance yourself sitting with it and say is there truth on this or how can I apply it or mm-hmm. at least evaluate before you dismiss something. And I realized, whoa, I'm really on a path here that's mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of narrow and full of snipers yeah. <laughs> in the bushes and stuff. And it's, it's like, whoa, mm-hmm. but my heart has always been to see humanity yeah. awaken, to literally see with their eyes open. You know, the Bible, mm-hmm. I think it was Jesus who was talking about they hear, but they don't listen. And yeah. it's one thing to have a superficial sensory interface with spiritual truth, but it's a completely another one to allow it to come within you and integrate it yeah. and just stew on it, meditate it, digest it, and then that become a part of your walk. Or if it's not for you, you take the meat, you spit out the bones. But it's an interesting process that you find when you enter the healing field. Right. Exactly what that entails and some of the things that happen when healing begins and it gets messy and ugly sometimes. A lot of times. <laughs> yeah, it's ugly all the time. What are we saying? Yeah, I mean, I don't know about you, but my 2018 was so painful and it was just a lot of really deep lesson learning and recognizing patterns, but they had to like become so massive that I couldn't ignore them anymore. And it was so fucking mm-hmm. painful. Yeah, 2012 was the year from hell. Mm -hmm. And then, well, 2012 to 2016 was pretty dicey. And then 2017 and 2018 is when I really started to heal up those wounds Mm -hmm. and practice forgiveness and 
some of the collateral damage that happened in my life trying to be a healer through writing mm-hmm. or podcasting or reviewing or what have you. And so actually, no, 2018 was not too bad, other than writing Naked Tarot. It was excruciating. <laughs> so in that way, that was very difficult, writing that book, because I literally pulled everything within me, and I also felt like I was kind of like channeling some higher wisdom there, and it just... It was exhausting. That was exhausting, that aspect. But no, fortunately, I feel like I'm more on, like I was saying about instead of the wounded healer, I'm I'm at the tail end of the shamanistic aspect to where finally starting to wrap up because I I had recognized the patterns and challenging myself with them and saying, okay, come on, you have to recognize your own part in this. Yeah. And forgive yourself for it. Not that your intentions excused it. Right. But you know that you weren't out to hurt anyone. Right. So now, you know, I'm more of a breathing space where I'm integrating, learning, forgiving myself, mm. healing the shame, and kind of moving into a new phase. But yeah, that sucks when you're in that phase where <laughs> the patterns just are asserting mm-hmm. themselves and you can't ignore them and you have to address the elephant in the room. And it's, mm-hmm. oh gosh, it's a really, really challenging place to be. Yeah. But out of that, like, I do feel like this year I'm a fucking phoenix rising from the ashes. <laughs> but you got to burn, baby, burn first. That's you right. Know, you can't, That's people right. love the image of the phoenix. It's right. like, honey, you can love that pretty firebird all you want. You know, your ass mm-hmm. is going to have to sit in that nest and burn. That's you right. have to burn, burn, burn. You have to smell the, you know, the smell of your flesh <laughs> yeah. sizzling. It is not a quick and easy burn. And it's hard, but you cannot be the phoenix until you burn. That's yeah. just the way it goes. Yeah. Otherwise, you're just a bird, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I don't like birds. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, I don't. Yikes. Anyway, forget about the birds. I feel, it's funny. I'm always asking people, you know, are you a healer? What do you think about wounded healer? And you've already answered these questions without me even asking. But I guess, like, to be more pointed about it, tell me about yourself as a healer. What does that mean to you? Pretty much like what I said before, it's the glass of water in the face. I don't know if you know much about Jiger Jeff and the Fourth Way, and Mm-mm. he was actually instrumental in bringing the Enneagram to the forefront. Mm. But he was a very controversial figure. He was an Enneagram 8, which is the aggressive, the mm-hmm. most aggressive type of the Enneagram, and that's what my wing is. Mm-hmm. And for those who signed up for his program and said, we want to be your disciple and what have you, he would deliberately push their trigger points and humiliate them in some way wow. or yeah I guess some of it was controversial but a lot of people got awakened out of it and actually hmm. when I was in counseling in college I actually admitted myself into an in-hospital program for major depression because mm-hmm. I realized that I could not heal myself after this you know I was monitoring mm. in counseling and it helped me applying some CBC to an extent helped but I couldn't get out of it I needed a wisdom higher than you know yep. the place that got me there yep And I kind of see my therapist as like that because they were very confrontational. I mean, it was like a one-month program where they said one month in that stew was like two years of weekly therapy. Mm -hmm. And, oh, my God, was it? And they kicked my ass totally. uh, But it was very controversial, very humiliating, but not in the way that people would think. Mm -hmm. You'd almost have to know what psychodynamics is about and Mm -hmm. Mm role-playing and things like that to understand what we Uh, mean by humiliation. We're not talking about crazy stuff where you're stripping someone and... You put a fire hose hose on them and then, you know, shower them with glitter or anything. It's nothing like that. And so anyway, I see myself as a healer as more like the trickster, Mm -hmm. where the trickster comes in and consciously interrupts the status quo because they see that people are asleep. And there's different ways you can do that. There's the funny trickster, 
there's the court jester who was the only ones in the medieval courts that could get away with saying things about the king and not get killed, mm-hmm. but they could deliver the truths because they were the jester. So then there are some that are more of the serious type tricksters where they come in and they say truth like a sword, and it cuts to the quick, but it also cuts out the cancer of ignorance. Mm-hmm. And so I feel I'm an unconventional healer. Not with my family, though, and not with like close friends. I'm actually a good listening ear, and people call me generous and sweet and, and everything. And that's what's so funny when I see sometimes <laughs> reactions to me and my work online. It's just as if they're describing like two or sometimes three different people. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you got the demonization. Yeah. She's a bitch or she's this or that. And then you see them, oh, she's so just sweet and generous. And, and I'm laughing. I'm like, I'm all that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and we all are. Yes, we are. And the bitchiness was conscious. Some of the yeah. things were actually conscious, on-purpose things, knowing that people may misunderstand, there'll be backlash mm-hmm. and what have you, but thinking, you know, it needs shaken up, the status quo. And can things go a little too far? Sometimes yes, yes. But so I think with this new book that where I'm going to talk about mystical Christianity and paganism, it's going to be more of a inclusionary, come on, let's all get along, let's see all these wonderful truths yeah. together type of a healer. But I feel that sometimes people need shaken and mm-hmm. slapped out of their stupor before they can even hear some of the deeper truths. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise, it's just going to bounce off of them. It's just like throwing popcorn at a person. It's just going to bounce off. And mm-hmm. it's almost like a person has to be cracked open first to get the truth. Now, that can happen with a tower experience in life where mm-hmm. we're devastated by a loss, an illness, a divorce, something unexpected. And then we're forced to confront our beliefs and say, oh, my gosh, wait a minute, something's seriously wrong here, and you have to reexamine. Mm-hmm. I'm the type of healer where I just will go into <laughs> a group or, you know, through my work, whether it's a blog post or a book, and say, okay, you guys who say that you're into consciousness and awakening, well, here. And then let's pass around the cold <laughs> you yeah. know, glass of the water to put in your face. So in the past, I've been a very unconventional healer. I mean, if, even if you look at Jesus... The only people he ever criticized were the Pharisees. Mm-hmm. And the mm-hmm. Pharisees were the snotty, hypocritical, mm-hmm. hypocritical religious leaders yep. who tried to keep people from God, yep. not to mention take their money. And if you hear some of the stuff Jesus said, everybody's like, oh, Jesus, meek and mild the dove. And I'm like, no, he kicked ass. I mean, he was mm-hmm. overturning the tables in right. the temple. You money changers, you've made my house a den of thieves. My and- temple should be a house of prayer. But you have mm-hmm. made it. Yeah, sorry. I love Jesus Amen. Christ Superstar. That is my favorite musical of all Amen. time. Amen. <laughs> totally, ab- absolutely correct. Yeah. And he would say things, you guys are whitewashed tombs. He said, you look mm-hmm. all pretty on the outside, and then inside you're full of dead man's bones. You'll go to land and sea to make a convert, and then once you do, you make them twice as hung the hell as you. So, you know, there is some precedence <laughs> mm-hmm. for people who are compassionate and loving, who actually go into where the status quo is and those strongholds of self-righteousness and elitism, and I got my shit together in this isms, <laughs> and mm-hmm. it, you come in and say, oh, really? Okay, well, let me do a little bit of stuff, and we'll see. And then, boom, towers start falling right and left because somebody dare go up to the house and they poke a little twig in it, and I'll be darned mm-hmm. if it wasn't made of straw, and it collapses, and then people cry, and they blame the person with the stick. Right. So that's my type of healing. Yeah. <laughs> it's very unconventional. <laughs> I'm resonating with it so much because I kind of feel that way, too. And the thing that I always bump up against because, you know, I was raised pretty conservative Christian, too, and... 
humility was definitely like my mother's like number one value. And to put yourself out in front of people saying something, especially something that's contradictory, I'm not humble, right? Somehow like I'm saying I'm right and you're wrong. And there's so much wrapped up in that that I'm working through right now to figure out like, how can I feel okay putting my message into the world that I think is right? And I know that it resonates with some people, but how do I tolerate the childhood wounding that that's not okay, you know? Yeah, it's not easy. And then when you get the backlash, then you start second-guessing your, mm-hmm, your calling mm-hmm. yourself. You're like, well, wait right. a minute. Maybe I am just an asshole. Right, and right. <laughs> yes, yes. That's my biggest fear. It is. Right. And I realized that when I put things out there to stir the pot or I confront people with things, I'm not sure. But when I look back, I don't think I was ever so dogmatic to say, I'm right, you're wrong. Right. Or you suck because of this or anything. It was more like just calling things for what they are. You know right. what I'm saying? Just kind of like calling the emperor out and saying, geez, he has no clothes. What's wrong with you people? Right. You know, you're all fawning about the beautiful lace and the intricate gold embroidery, and nobody except a little child with a big mouth is saying, uh, he has no clothes. Mm-hmm. And then it's not until the child, in his innocence, he's not indoctrinated enough with fear and shame yet right. to know that you don't do that. You don't go against the crowd right. or you don't go against authority figures. Or you don't go against popular opinion or what the tribe says. He's not yet, and I think that's why in that fairy tale it's the child, because he's not yet indoctrinated yet to the fear and shame of mm-hmm. that kind of thing with tribes and authorities. And so he just states the obvious. Mm-hmm. The emperor has no clothes. And so if you look at that on one level, all he's doing is speaking the truth. But if you're looking at it from a perspective of the authorities and how dare you voice an opinion that is contradictory to prevailing belief and what have you, then the person's demonized. And I think it's another reason why the child was chosen in that fairy tale, mm-hmm. because it's really hard to demonize a child. Yeah, yeah. Just innocent pointing it out. Now, if it would have been a woman, she would have been called a, a witch or a bitch. Right, you know? right. But because a child does it, oh, he's so naive, but oh my God, he's right. You know? Mm-hmm. And so I love that fairy tale. And I think that's the kind of healer I am. You know, and I have a very strong magical child, actually. Mm. I love watching cartoons. <laughs> People, even my husband and son, they, they say, you're so complex. Because there's a part of me, you know, also, I don't watch Care Bears. I watch, you know, Strawberry <laughs> Shortcake. I swear to God, I know. You know, Pink Panther or Scooby-Doo. And I'm sitting on Boomerang. Or I'll watch some of the kids' shows from when our son was little. Mm. And I'm like, hey, you want to watch a Thomas Tank Engine? You know? <laughs> and, my, and my husband just walks in and goes, oh, my God. And he just walks like, mm. and he laughs. But, you know, it's that magical child archetype mm. that I think keeps me youthful and positive and joyful. I mean, it used to be the wounded child, but now she's yeah. a magical child. Who was it that said, was one of the transcendentalists who was accused, I don't know if it was Emerson, who was accused of being contradictory. Mm. And he he says, am I contradictory? So be it. You know, I'm made of multitudes. Mm. And I love that book. Have you ever read Sacred Contracts by Carolyn Mace? No. (gasps) Oh, my gosh. You totally. (laughs) Okay. Putting it in my queue. Sacred Sacred Contracts Contracts by Carolyn Mace changed my life. And she talks about how she feels that we were all born with 12 main archetypes. Mm. And four of those are common to all, which is the child, the prostitute, the saboteur, Mm -hmm. and the victim. Things that we all go through, all of those levels. And then we have eight other ones that are unique to us that make Mm. us up to help us fulfill our soul contract here on earth. And so when you have contradictory ones, like I have a strong judge, I have a magical child, 
I have the detective, and yet I have a hedonist. And at any point, we're kind of like this diamond with different facets, and then somebody's used to just seeing one or two facets, you know, they get thrown for a loop when they see the other ones, and then they act like that you're being inauthentic, or you're not who you say you are. Or, mm. And it's like, no, no, I am all that, I and it's okay. Yeah. 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 So many people want to peg you, where we feel we have to be yeah. pegged into just one or two archetypal patterns. And I think that's why a lot of people are fearful and repressed. Yes. That, you know, they have these other urges, but they push them down because it's, quote, wrong. Right. Like, okay, I right. can't be a judge right. archetype because I was taught not to judge. Right, right. You know, not to be critical. Yeah. Or I can't be a detective because I'm told not to be nosy in my own business. Mm-hmm. Or I can't let the child archetype come out and play because I've read all of John Bradshaw's book and I know that, and they get it wrong. They confuse childishness with childlikeness. There's a right, difference. right. You know, yes. childlikeness is when you're not maturing and you're not taking responsibility, but childlikeness is when you take those traits of wonderment and beauty and curiosity and, wow, every day's a new experience. You know, there's mm-hmm. a difference. Mm-hmm. And I think people need to realize that they contain multitudes and they have to explore what they are and let them out. Because if they don't, yeah. they can implode in an existential yep. depression, which yep. is totally different than a psychological depression. Yes. And the only yes. way that you cure an existential depression is to find out who you really are mm-hmm. and allow those patterns to come out so you can live a holistic, well-rounded, integrated life. Yeah, absolutely. Well said. Well, we're coming to the end of the hour, and I want to make sure to respect your time, but For people who are really digging this conversation, obviously they can read your books. It sounds like you write blogs. Like how else can people get in touch with you and utilize your services? Well, as far as time, you can talk to me as long as you want. I love talking (laughs) to people like you. I don't have enough people pulling on me to get this stuff out of me. So if you want to talk longer, (laughs) I'm I'm serious. Mm Janaboyer.com is my main Mm -hmm. website. I don't blog like I used to. I'm actually even thinking of pulling back more from social media because it's just starting to really get to be a photoshopped who can have the prettiest mm-hmm. life type of thing. And now I myself don't participate in that, but I'm just, I get so tired of the polished yeah. presentations yeah. and lack of um, authenticity. There's no traction. It's like, yeah. I can't find the things to relate to, you know? Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I have a strong hermit archetype as well. And mm-hmm. so I have to pull back from humanity. I really think I was a nun in a past life, to be honest, mm-hmm. because I have that urge to pull back and contemplate. And I don't blog much anymore, but if you go to JanetBoyer.com, you can find lots of reviews and find out things I'm into. I do tarot readings. I write books. Mm-hmm. Also, I've been making some like sacred-inspired jewelry, too. So I have an mm-hmm. Etsy store where we sell my husband's original art. My son oh, cool. loves it, so he wants to be a male fashion designer. He makes the coolest tarot bags you ever saw. What? Tarot bags for... Yeah, yeah, he makes oh, tarot bags. Holy shit. Yep, horrible decks for runes and everything. You have to see some of the gorgeous stuff he does. And mm-hmm. so I've been actually focusing on the Etsy store. It's almost like since I've been so in on the, in the intellectual realm, with mm-hmm. writing and promoting Naked Tarot, which came out last fall, that now I'm enjoying, I started making mostly bracelets, but I do earrings, necklaces, and they're almost like a meditation. I had a friend of mine on Facebook, mm-hmm. she says, it's almost like your jewelry is little prayers. Aww. And I said, oh, that is so sweet of you to notice that. And I said, because it is. I mean, I have tons of beads and things and charms, and I just look at them, and I just feel inspired. A theme comes to me or what have you, mm-hmm. and like empowerment or whatever, and then I collect them and I make them on memory wire so it fits almost any wrist. Mm-hmm. And so I'm actually into jewelry making and beauty. The hedonist mm-hmm. is coming out now too with cooking for my family, finding new recipes, 
people have been telling me to write a cookbook. I'm like, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> wow. So I'm really enjoying the Earth realm because that actually mm. is my least representative, not only in my astrological chart, but just energetically. I tend yeah. to be very airy and fiery. And so now I'm more watery with intuition and earthy. I'm getting more grounded with meditation, more being in nature, the senses, the five senses. Because in Jungian terms with the Myers-Briggs and Kersey, I'm an ENFP. So my weakest is sensing, totally not observant when it comes to the natural realm. I'm looking in the spirit, you know. Mm. Like my husband's like, didn't you notice this, this, this? And he's looking in the physical, and I'm saying, no, but I noticed this, this, and this. Right. You know, I'm looking in the spirit realm. So I'm focusing more on getting grounded and, and doing, like, pretty jewelry and things like that. But if they go to janaboyer.com, they'll find all my social media connections, any of the blogs I do, my tarot readings page, the Etsy store. They'll find a link to all my books and ebooks. I have over a dozen ebooks as well as five actual books. And mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> yeah, girl. yeah. Take a take a breath, right? <laughs> I am now. I yeah. actually yes, that's actually what I've been doing for the last two or three months, and it's yeah. been really weird. And I said to my husband, "What kind of phase is this? It's so weird. I have no map. Yeah. I don't have a contract for a book. I'm entering menopause, so that's totally different. Mm-hmm. And there's this what next aspect, and I knew it was something different because I've been immersed in tarot for, oh, my gosh, over 10 years now, 12 years. And usually, and my husband noticed this, I go through like 10-year cycles. Like I intensely yeah. study personality systems for 10 years. Then it was tarot for like 10 or 12, and now I'm entering something else. It's like, okay, what now? It's like, what just happened? It's like I had a tornado built blow through my life and I did a lot of things and then it all rebuilt the town and now I'm like okay okay yeah. now <laughs> now just like, enjoy oh, the town what <laughs> yeah it's like you know you mean yeah. I can just like go in and like look around all right yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of where I'm at right now awesome well I really really appreciate you spending your time with me today this is this was awesome it was really inspiring Oh, well, thank you. I hope I didn't talk too much. We didn't even get to talk about the book much, so I hope I didn't ramble so much that I ended up co-opting some of your questions. (laughs) No, like we said before we started, this is always very organic, and I don't really have a plan. And so I just always trust that whatever's supposed to happen in an interview happens and that there's somebody out there who's going to listen, who's going to get what they needed. So that's how I roll. That's me too, me too. OMG. I was just going to say, for your editor's sake, oh my God, I love you. (laughs) (laughs) And Andrea's like rolling her eyes again. Okay, fine. Sarah has a new best friend. But seriously, yeah, this has been really, really great. I'm really glad to know you. It's so nice to talk to you because other than my husband and son, it's not very often you get around a like-minded person where you could just literally talk for hours. It's like a tangent here, tangent there. Yeah, and that reminds me of this. And you could just yes. keep on talking and sharing the wisdom and talking about what you're learning and what you've been through. And, and it's just so refreshing and exciting because I do have that hermit archetype, but I'm very secluded and isolated in some yeah. respects to talk to a like-minded person. And it's like, it just lights me up. It's like, ooh, ding, 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 ding. You know, it's like a pinball machine and the, and the, and the balls are like just hitting and lighting things up. Oh, and and it's you. a great feeling to come across a like-minded person like you. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Janet, for taking the time to be with us today. For more information on Janet and all of the happenings, you can visit us at www.headhearttherapy.com slash podcast. And thanks as always to the Creative Imposter Studios for editing, to Liam O'Donnell for the album art photo, and to Ben Mueller for our theme music. Thanks again for tuning in. Until next time. Bye-bye.